Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Members of the extended family, Mike Cadlick and Brian Hines, coming at you with a brief, very brief recap of the Patriots-Giants <laughs> game. Another loss against, you know, what I'm sure New England went into thinking was a relatively inferior team. Yet, they still find another way to lose. Uh, we spoke to coaches today, got to get some more perspective on the things that went down. Uh, so I have a question for each of you to start this one off. I feel like it falls into both your specific wheelhouses. Brian, I'm starting with you. Patriots tried out several kickers today after Bill Belichick's comment that Chad Ryland essentially missing a field goal in back-to-back weeks wasn't good enough. You're our special teams guy. I think we all love Chad Ryland. Like, he's one of those guys <laughs> standing in the locker room, like, you know, we're, we're taking up their space. We all kind of feel like Nats just is occupying areas. Uh, but he's one of the guys who walks by, always super nice and cordial. Uh, you know, I think we're all fans of Chad Ryland, the person, but in terms of Chad Ryland, the player, what is your take on how he's performed, not just the past couple of weeks, but really going all the way back to the summer? Because, you know, his struggles aren't exactly surprised. And do you think that it's warranted that the team might be bringing in somebody else as an insurance policy after trading away Nick Folk? Yeah, I mean, people know my stance on Chad Ryland, obviously. And I think we'll talk about Nick Folk a little later, too. But, I mean, you missed two 35-yard field goals and one that would tie the game and one that would put you in a position, another low-scoring game to maybe win the game down the stretch there. So Bill kind of said whether he should have said it or not is another story for your rookie kicker, but he said that's not good enough. And I think Chad would be the first one to tell you he needs to make those kicks. He was very accountable after the game. So, yeah, I'd be surprised if they moved on from him right now. You know, he's a fourth-round rookie. We've seen rookies, Steven Guskowski. 2006 he had some missed kicks of his own so I think they're gonna let him work through this but I said yesterday on Patsby I wouldn't be surprised if Monday or Tuesday we see a list of kickers here to come in and work out and maybe just heat up that seat a little bit and say like hey we like you we believe in you but this can't keep happening you can't keep missing especially 35 yard field goals so uh maybe one signs of the practice squad here they held they brought in a lot of specialists a couple QBs too uh workouts the last two days so i think they're going to keep going with chad and i still think he's a good kicker he showed that at maryland he showed that at college so i hope he can work his way out of this but like it's a performance league and you can't keep missing 35 yard kicks so kind of see what happens from there yeah it was kind of jarring hearing bill specifically like criticize him considering he doesn't really criticize anyone he doesn't do that a lot yeah Right. So it was a, definitely a notable quote where it's like, I mean, it's it's one of those positions, not like quarterback, but similar to quarterback, where it's really all on you. Like you're a golfer out there. Everyone's looking at you and the spotlight's there. And if you don't perform well, you know, you're going to get criticism. Definitely a little funky. Speaking of quarterback, Mike, your boy, Hi. Will Greer, is back on the practice squad. As you mentioned, Brian, they've also tried out some other quarterbacks. We're going to get into the quarterback position plenty in this show uh but what are your thoughts on will greer's return and do you think there's any chance that we see him at some point this season yeah it's interesting i think um i mean we all know the quarterback's situation this year has been a complete cluster and uh, like you said we'll get into that in the mailbag when we answer some questions we know what mac hasn't been able to do we know what zappy hasn't been able to do um when they tried to keep the quote-unquote quarterback competition secret this week they kind of tried to include Will Greer in the mix, saying he got some first-team reps during the bye week. And then 
ultimately it sounded like it was just between Mac and Zappy. I think Greer just hasn't probably had enough reps in the system to, for them to confidently be able to, you know, include him in that, which is why he was um, effectively, or he was cut for Connor McDermott because they needed the space. They knew that they weren't going to play him. And so they let him, you know, test the waters and see. I was surprised, honestly, that, um, and I know Chris Mason from Mass Live reported this as well, but um, that he didn't try and go elsewhere, ultimately. I thought that mm -hmm. especially with Joe Barrow going down in Cincinnati, he had been there um, in between his Dallas and New England stops. So I thought that maybe they would, you know, try and scoop him up practice squad because um, I know they're just going with, like, I think it's Jake Browning and A.J. McCarron right now. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that room's pretty thin, too. Um, but he ends up here. He comes back. So, um, again, probably just the familiarity thing. It's it's November 28th now. You have a few weeks left. You might as well, you know, keep your boots on the ground here, try and see if you can pick anything up. And, again, with with what happened on Sunday and Matt getting benched and Zabby coming in, um, you could potentially I, – I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, not saying this could happen. I'm just saying that, like, it wouldn't shock me to see, like, Will Greer being a, a game day elevation or something for the next couple weeks maybe using Zappy as the emergency and using Greer as the backup if you or vice versa Mac or whatever they they decide they they're going to continue to get funky with the quarterback position they've had i think it's 18 now 19 quarterback transactions this season when you go back to i mean Ian Book and Matt Corral and Cunningham back and forth and so i mean they they're, they're really trying to find their way with the position they haven't been able to do it so um not surprised to see him back and again hopefully hopefully he you know, potentially gets a shot down the stretch here because um, you know what you have in Mac, you know what you have in Zappy, and you don't really know what you have in game day Will Greer yet. So um, I guess we'll see what happens, but he's back for now. So that's where we're at. Yeah, this late in the season, especially for a team like the Pats where, you know, they're not really going anywhere. You saw the Browns pick up Joe Flacco, but really realistically, you're not really bringing in new blood. It's so late in the season. It would take right. probably a couple weeks for a quarterback to catch on. If you're the Browns and you're competitive, it's like, okay, yeah, we need somebody just to steady the ship and like give us some shot at being able to make the playoffs and make some kind of run. But when you're the Patriots, you know, it's kind of hard to think that anybody's going to want to join the fray in terms of, you know, they don't really have a starting quarterback, and it's probably unlikely they're going to find one. But we'll get to that later. First question that we got, Brian, I'm going to you first. Fan survival plan for the next six games. Is there a lower bottom than this? And can we sue for damages? Like, seriously, can we? <laughs> I wish, but uh, I don't think we can. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I don't know. We keep saying every week I feel like it's rock bottom, and then we just keep finding a lower bottom. So, I mean, maybe they – Lock, uh, rock bottom at this point is they win a few games and get themselves out of like a top three pick and yeah. then they're just kind of stuck in the, that weird range in the draft but yeah survival plan this weekend is championship weekend in college football certainly and then we'll kind of gut through that that Pats Chargers game on Sunday Mike yeah uh, simple fan survival guide is simple you need to if you haven't already Flip your mindset on game day and root for losses. And if you root for losses, you're going to have a successful game day. You're going you're gonna to see them lose and you're going to be like, okay, top pick, top pick. So um, it, all it is is a quick shift of the mindset, bada bing, bada boom, and you root for losses and you're back and it feels like you're winning Super Bowls again. Um, the other thing you can do, scoreboard watch across the league, watch the, watch the Bears, watch the Cardinals, root for wins. Same with the Giants, same with the Bears. Root for all the bottom teams to win. That might be tougher, and that might be worse on you as a fan, but uh, root for the draft pick. This season's over. You're 2-9. and nine. Come to um, 
I guess, come to terms with the fact that you're not winning anything this year. And then if you're a fan, root for the tank and hopefully you get a, you get a nice reset in the off season. So um, yeah, root for them to lose and watch them college football. Like Brian said, become the biggest Justin Fields, Kyler Murray, and yes. Bryce Young fans in the world for the last six, seven right. weeks right here. And the quarterbacks specifically, I'll say that too, because even, and then if you do end up with pick number three, but it's call it the Cardinals and the Bears with the picks and Fields and Murray play well, but the teams lose and this whole thing happens and they stick with their QBs, boom, you have your choice of whoever you want. So root for quarterbacks, uh, root for those quarterbacks as well. Brian's right there. Man, I was team Justin Fields all the way last night. It was a little painful. It reminded me that, you know, the Patriots aren't the only ones in this boat where, you know, you're, you're rooting for a product that's not the best as a fan. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you guys there. While I was at the Giants game, I'm not sure how professional this is, but I was laughing in the press box. Like, because I, I tweeted, you have to look at the game through the lens of parody, especially when you're watching Patriots-Giants. It's like, all right, you can't expect good football. You know, Tommy DeVito had some nice throws, I will say. But at the end of the day, you know, against the Chargers, maybe not both sides through parity. Maybe just like, oh, the Patriots. Look at those scamps. Look at them go out there and try. Um, you know, you got some guys fighting hard. But at the end of the day, with the quarterback situation, it's really hard to expect this team to do much more than find ways to lose. And, yeah, what's up, Mike? And don't be – I was just going to say, don't don't feel bad for for uh, for rooting for losing either. Matthew Slater yesterday was on WEEI and was asked about the whole tanking thing and basically said, "Look, I can get into other people's mindsets and I understand why fans would want that." Like was that was basically what he said. That wasn't, you know, verbatim, but he was like, "I get why people want that. We're not going to do that, but he can understand it." So, if Matthew Slater gives you permission to root for the tank, then you're allowed to root for the tank. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, Mike, I'm going to keep with you. Do you okay. envision Mac being tradable for anything better than a sixth rounder? Do oh, you boy. think Kendrick Bourne will be back with the team next season? Man, um, if they keep playing Mac, his trade value is going to just continue to plummet because he is playing really bad football. Like it's, but is it, it not? So with that point, like real quick, is he not already like sixth rounder or worse while you're going? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know how to put an exact value on him. Like it, when you know Dan Orlovsky said the other day or a few weeks ago that he he's heard from teams who still think Mac is a a NFL quarterback and they just he needs sort of a reset and get get out of the system. And I and I tend to agree with that thing a little bit. I mean, I think he's you know done and broken here. But if he goes to a Shanahan type system, he could potentially thrive. Um, but as far as trade value, I don't think you're going to get anything better than a six-round pick for him at this point, and I don't think he's going to improve that with the way he plays. Um, Kedrick Bourne is an interesting question. Um, do I think he'll be back? Probably not. Should they want him back? Hell yeah. I think he Why is. Why don't you think he'll be back? Because I just think that he's a guy who is is on the closer side of 30. I don't know exact his exact age, but he's nearing 30 coming off an ACL um, and probably wants to try and win a Super Bowl and compete in the league. And I just think that instead of going back to a reset, it, it, it's going to all depend on the money and his, his, I guess his price tag now is sort of lowered coming off of injury. But I just look at a guy who might take a step back and kind of think, I don't know if I want to be a part of a rebuild. I don't have much time left in my career. I'd probably rather, get a few extra bucks here and maybe try and win wins of football games on the way out. So we'll see what happens, but that would kind of be my thinking on his, on his whole injury situation here. 
That's totally fair. I looked it up. So he'll be 29 next 29? August. 29, okay. So age is a consideration. And right. I looked on, I believe it was um, over the – oh, no, spot track. I think they have like less than $5 million a year next season. Because obviously he's been with the Pats – since he right. signed his second contract, hasn't really blown up or anything. And like you said, his injury history is going to factor into that. So, you know, it, 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 maybe he wants to go to a competitor. He seems like the kind of guy that's very loyal and would stick around just from my perspective. But, Brian, I'm curious what your thoughts are. It depends on the head coach, too. Absolutely go either way, 100%. 100%. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to kind of – like, I'd love him back. I think he's a great player, great energy, attitude, all that. But, first of all, how's his knee? Like, is he going to be healthy? I'd mm-hmm. imagine it's – probably a one-year deal he's looking at at this point and then who's the coach what system he's coming into and i know like we all want to talk about these quarterbacks in college and all this offseason stuff but that's the first big domino that's going to need to really fall the head coach and the system here so i'd take him back obviously i love kb he's a great player but we'll see with that uh as for mac the trade talk every head coach and gm out there like whether they want to admit it, like they have an ego and a big head and they probably all think they can fix a guy. And true. Like there someone out there is gonna see a former first round pick and be like, I can fix that guy, I can get him back on track. Whether that means they're willing to give up more than a six rounder though, I doubt it at this point. But uh I would think someone out there would take a flyer on Mac Jones for maybe a, a fifth, a sixth conditional draft pick somewhere. So I think uh, when he still has one more year, kind of cheap money, someone someone will take a shot on him. Yeah, I agree. I think both of these questions are – it's too soon to answer either one. With Kendrick Bourne, like I tweeted uh, after the game against the Giants just because I was trying to think ahead to find some positivity. When you look at the Lions free agents, like Ben Johnson, if he ends mm-hmm. up signing with whatever team he signs with, there's a lot of free agent Lions on offense. So you could build – like the bones of kind of what the Lions are. So, you know, it's one thing if you get somebody who doesn't have as many ties, maybe the Lions, where they say, okay, you want to bring some guys who are good fits in the culture, who have been positive presences, you know, which Kendrick Bourne has been. He was like one of the leaders in that room, bringing energy. We've seen it since he got here. But at the same time, if it's Ben Johnson, he's going to want to bring his guys in. So maybe there's not as much room. So it's maybe a little too soon. Although, you know, given what we know, I think they would want Kendrick Bourne back. And then in terms of Mac, honestly, I don't think we're going to know what his trade value is until probably next preseason. I think that they're going to want to give him an opportunity. Like if you have a rookie quarterback, you need to build out the offense anyway. You got to set them up for success. So that's going to be Mac Jones's first time since kind of his rookie season that he's had a supporting cast that could really help him out and kind of help elevate the offense. So I think they're going to give him a chance. If he's a capable backup and he plays better, he got a real competition, you know, maybe you see what happens, but if he does play well and then some team comes knocking, then maybe you start to talk about a fourth rounder or a fifth rounder or something like that, where, you know, it's a little more fair on both sides and you're actually getting something as opposed to just sending him away because you're kind of sick and tired of seeing what you've seen this season. Do, do we remember what the um, 49ers got for Lance? Was it a fourth rounder? I think it was fourth. a fifth. Yeah. Was it a fourth? Okay. I don't know if it was a conditional, but I believe it was a fourth. Okay. Because, I mean, that's sort of the, the barometer, I guess. But, I mean, not really, actually, because Max played a lot of games and Lance hasn't. But same draft class, first-round pick. Like, that's sort of what I would sort of look at at first. But, I mean, again, you didn't see what you had in Lance yet, where you kind of, at least with – New England, you kind of have a little bit of a sample size with what Mac Jones can do in the league. So, 
Yeah. And it was a 2024 fourth round pick. Yeah. Of course. Okay. For some reason. But yeah, it's quarterback talented. You know, it's fair. But again, that's not right. Mac. Like Mac is a right. trade Lance weird banking on developing his talent. It's like, no, this is a guy where you're trying to get him back to doing the bare minimum and then hoping he can excel. So, right. you know, tough situation. All right. Forget who I go with last time. So I'm going to go with you this time. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. All right. Besides Bo Belichick, who's looking like a dead man walking? Who of the current coaching staff should the Pats keep? Mike. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Gerard Mayo. <laughs> like, I think Mayo is, is a good coach. Um, I like what he's done. I think he's a good a good leader of men. Um, I won't be surprised if he ends up taking more head coaching opportunities, at least interview opportunities this, uh, this coming coaching cycle. Um, but man, I look at the rest of the staff and like, and it, the, the buzzword and the talk around the staff for the last couple of years has just been brain drain and it's not wrong. I mean, you have guys like McDaniels who have gone and you can say, again, you can say what you want about Josh McDaniels. I think he's a pretty good offensive coordinator. He did a good job here with Mac Jones. doesn't work as a head coach, but he was good here. Um, they've lost, you know, even going back, like guys like Brendan Daly and like, wh who was the Chad O'Shea, the, the wide receivers coach who went with, uh with Brian Flores, like there's just, there's not much high, high quality coaching here. I mean, I guess DeM DeMarcus Covington is a, is a guy who has had some, you know, potential defensive coordinator looks. I think Ross Douglas is a decent wide receiver assistant, but I mean, look, I don't really have much allegiance towards guys like Mike Pellegrino or Troy Brown or even Bill O'Brien to necessarily feel like, you know, those are coaching stuff guys they absolutely need to keep around. Like, they're kind of hit or miss for me. One, one coach that I'm kind of interested in um, is Steve Belichick. I, I think mm -hmm. that Steve kind of gets a bad rap for being sort of, you know, the, the, the Nepo baby, if you will, with, with Bill and kind of being around just because he's his son. But their defense has been good, and he's been a part of it. Um, so, again, again I'm not, he's, he's not a guy I'm pounding my fist for, but I, I'll be interested to see how and what he does in the coaching realm once Bill moves on and if he can be successful without, you know, without his dad above him. And Steve, multiple positions that he's worked at as well. So right, exactly. Some flexibility yep. there. Yep. What do you think? Sure. Yeah, he's become a very good coach the past yep. few years, I'd say. So, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of the defensive staff. I think Mayo, we all really like. Mike mentioned it, like, not only X's and O's, but seems like a very good leader of men can kind of handle the CEO stuff of the head coach side too. So, I mean, if he's your next – head coach and you have either Steve's the DC or maybe, you know, him and Brian leave with Bill to see how that kind of shakes out. Then maybe DeMarcus Covington is your DC who had interviews last year. And then you keep Mike Pellegrino in that, you know, cornerback. He's worked with safety, keep him in the secondary. I think that's a good kind of building block for your defensive staff, but then the offensive staff, who knows what's going to happen there. Cause I wouldn't be opposed to just kind of nuking that side of the ball again and restarting there with, you know, Troy Brown, just still receivers, second, third straight year. Taylor, I see your eyes lighting up like PTSD from hearing that, but we still just have receivers not running routes and being in the right spots. And it's Taekwon, it's Devonte Parker slipping and falling out of routes. Taekwon's doing all that foot fire drills at the top even Pop Douglas, who's been your best receiver, but it's still 
week in week out there's one or two errors like second or third drive of the game he's one-on-one up top and Mac expects him to break out and he just kind of turns back into the defender and the pass you know sails out of bounds and like that should be a layup but it's not because it's a, a route running issue so the, yeah, the offensive side of the ball is shaky. We were talking too quickly before the show with Bill O'Brien, and, you know, is that system, is this offense still fit in the league, right? Because we saw Josh go to Vegas. It didn't work with Carr. It didn't work with Garoppolo. Are we at the point where this system was basically Tom Brady and there's just so much going on before the snap, mental stuff? First third down of the play against the Giants, you see Mac just – doing all that hand motion, pointing out rushers, doing the, you know, routes, offensive line blocking. Then he's clapping for the ball, and it's a low snap, and then it's a delay of game, and it's just like – On the ground. The thing slid to him. (laughs) Is there just like – is there just too much going on there from a mental standpoint where, you know, maybe just this offense is kind of – living and dying by Tom Brady all those years. And, and like, he's the only one who could truly run it. So like sum up the question, defensive staff, I love, but offense. Yeah. Maybe, maybe time for a, for a new regime there. Yeah. I would keep the defensive staff. I don't think they're the problem. I think that when you look at like the cornerback position, we're going to get to this one also later, but it's just like a sneaky, huge area of need because it's a position that has very little uh, reliability in terms of availability. I think the linebackers have been fine. Jawan uh, Bentley has struggled at times this season, but I also think he's been dealing with some injuries. Like, I kind of don't want to lean too much into that because we've seen what he is for years. You know, players have down seasons. Defensive line, obviously, has gone through a significant injury with Matt Judon and then Daniel Lefale, who I keep saying is, like, kind of an underrated piece of that line where – the interior rush, especially when Barmore was out, was kind of solid because of him. And I think that having those two would have been really big for the pass rush, although they had their best game in a while last week against the bad Giants offensive line. And offensively, man, they, they definitely need to do something different. I asked Troy Brown specifically about Taekwon's route running because, like you said, Brian, the butt firing, he takes so long <clears throat> to, decl- to get into his route and make himself available for the quarterback on a consistent basis. And it's ironic because he's someone who's fast. and Everyone wants him to use his speed. Use him vertically, da-da-da. Have you seen the Patriots offense lately? They don't want to throw deep down. Or they want to. There's no such thing as vertical. Yeah. Right. Like Bill O'Brien is calling. Like you'll see first down play calling is very heavily play action. He's trying to give these guys downfield opportunities, but not taking advantage of them. So you can complain about Tyquan Thornton not being used downfield, but that's not really where the offense is right now. And then at the very least, you want a guy like him to use the threat of his speed to get open. Instead, he is one of the slowest people to get into and out of his routes on the entire team. So it's kind of hard to say, okay, like, and, and then that's why I asked Troy Brown, because I'm thinking, okay, well, is he doing the right thing? Maybe he's going rogue and, you know, it's just a situation like that. And he's obviously, he's going to defend the player. He's not going to air him out to us, but he and Ross Douglas said that, you know, he's a second round pick for a reason. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing and he's a good route runner. I'm like, well, we haven't seen that in the NFL and I understand he's behind, but you're putting him on the field. So something has to be expected, and it's not even that he's not doing great. We're like a Demario Douglas. He's making an impact, although there are glaring mistakes every week. Yeah. Taekwon isn't even doing that, where you're seeing on the field like, all right, I get it. You make your mistakes. You have your contributions. That's part of the growing process. It's all bad, and it affects other people. 
where, you know, Matt can't really rely on him and he's going to the next read and it kind of just throws off the timing of the entire play. So I'm with you, Brian. I think the defensive staff is okay. I would like to keep them, but the offensive staff, like I don't really know how many people there translate to a new team. And with Bill O'Brien's scheme specifically, I think it's hard to know really because we haven't seen this version of Bill O'Brien's offense in the NFL. We saw shades of it with the Texans and Deshaun Watson, but we haven't seen this version of it with a functional roster. Like who knows how great this offense would be if you had a guy who could run those Tyreek Hill, you know, cheat motions. And it's not a rookie who's taking forever to turn around to Demario Douglas because he doesn't really understand what's expected or he's not conditioned to do it. Like you get some guys who played NFL football and maybe it's better, but you know, the guys you have who played NFL football, your best guys on injured reserve and the other two guys have been benched for Mm -hmm. guys who give you almost nothing, um, you know, throughout the season. So yeah, offense, there's gotta be a change. Uh, Speaking of change, we're going to move on, but first quick word from our friends at FanDuel. We'll be back. Score early. This NFL season with FanDuel. You know it's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Look, if you're not good at math, you, you even you know that's a good deal. I mean, I'm not good at math. and I, I know that's a good deal. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. So easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off your NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, here we go, folks. Now pay attention to this. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, next question, Brian. This one's going to be you coming up first. Obviously, the Pats have needs in almost all position groups, but where does the secondary fall in the priority list? Was seen as maybe our biggest strength going into the year, but it hasn't really shaken out that way. I'm going to take this off just so we can see all of you, Brian. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I think boundary corner is going to be another need, right? Because the JC reclamation project has not gone great between the whole fiasco with bed checks and whatever and then on the field beat multiple times deep by Jalen Hyatt it was not a good game from from JC so I think you're gonna he's probably not in the plans next year so you're gonna need another boundary corner with no Jack Jones no JC Christian Gonzalez will obviously be back but uh from there you know we'll see how the safety room shakes out with do they bring back Kyle Duggar is Marte Mapu there? Is there a new defensive staff in that's going to actually play Marte Mapu at linebacker? So uh, you still have some talented guys with Christian Gonzalez. Real Peppers is under contract. Marcus Jones will be back. John Jones is under contract. But you're still probably looking, you know, that boundary spot specifically is probably back on your, your need list entering this offseason. And I'll say specifically, I'm not trying to be like nitpicky here, but boundary specifically I think is fine because that's Gonzo. Like this right now, it's been JC yeah. just because he's the top guy. But, you know, we're probably more that like 
outside corner, but field where it's more John Jones, where they're kind of playing a lot of the zone assignments as opposed to like a Gonzalez who plays the man stuff on the backside. But yeah, that outside cornerback position, you got bodies, but not a lot of guys where you go into next season being like, yeah, he'll play, you know, 12 games at the bare minimum. We can rely on him. I completely agree. They need their Jason McCourty again. That's what they need in that secondary. Just a guy who's reliable and you can – rotate them in there that's just what they need another reliable kind of veteran in that room absolutely yeah i agree brian said it best i mean it's 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 corner it's safety i think you look at some guys like like he you mentioned duggar who's in a contractor you don't know if he's going to come back so you might have to you know worry about that position and cornerback looked you know really good in the offseason with you know jack jones before his several takes obviously gonzalez uh, looks like he's well on his way to being an all-pro outside cornerback, but you need two cornerbacks because that's how the field's set up. Like, I, I sounds stupid to say it, but you, you need another one. So, um, it, yeah, I think you, you kind of have to look at, like Brian said, you're Jason McCord, type of guy who veteran, plug-and-play, come in here, take over opposite Gonzalez, and uh, and same with safety, like I said. You, depending on if you re-sign Duggar, you're going to have to sort of uh, reset that position as well. So secondary is definitely yeah. a position you need. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Gonzo, like I said, Gonzo's the only guy that you go. And even him, like with the shoulder injury, I know Doc Flynn mentioned that they had to shut him down because if you had continued to play him, it could have been something that became a lingering issue when you still don't know when he comes back next year. He's a young guy. But is that going to be a thing? Because we just saw Marcus Jones have two season-ending shoulder injuries. So you don't know for sure whether he's going to play every game for you. And then like Jonathan Jones, Marcus Jones talented, smaller cornerbacks, but availability is an issue. John Jones doesn't usually play 100% of the defensive snaps. Obviously, there's a bit of a rotation going on there. And one of the reasons I kind of give Mike Pellegrino credit is because how often do we hear Sean Wade's name? Not very often. Right. And even when it comes to like, you know, there's been plays like J.C. Jackson. Like One of the, the biggest glaring issues is if you could rely on J.C. and he was who he used to be with the Pats, you're set. Like, you're good. You got J.C. and Christian – then find out what you're going to do in the slot. You know, Miles Bryan also probably going to be back with the Pats. He's one of those like Juwan Bentley types where he's more valuable to you than he is to other teams probably. And you got some stability there. But J.C. Jackson like had multi allowed Jalen Hyatt to have his first 100-yard game in the NFL. And beyond that, there were several plays. He could have had a 200-yard game, honestly, because of all the, uh, the space and all the plays that could have been explosives where the pass rush saved him. So quarterback – huge question marks there going to need to be addressed. And then safety Jabril peppers is playing like a guy who should be making like maybe 10 million a year because he's making plays. Whereas a Kyle Duggar is going to be the guy who's probably making 10 plus million a year next year. And the playmaking from him, you know, we've seen flashes lately. I'll give him credit for that. They're using Jalen Mills more in that free safety role to frame up in the box, but I don't think you're seeing that $10 million a year value because he's not making as many plays. There's not as many tackles for loss. There's not as many, you know, turnovers and things like that. So it's, it's definitely one that's going to take need a closer look, especially with Adrian Phillips and Jalen Mills looking like they're on their way out. Like yeah. Phillips under contract, but he's not playing. And Marte Marpu, like you said, I mean, he's not really being put in a position to succeed. I thought he could be a Swiss army knife playing all over the place. Cause he's athletic made plays in college. We all did. Smart. And it's not manifesting, and it's 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 been disappointing. But yeah, mm. I'll add like uh, again, this is like big picture. Who's coaching this team, and what system are they running? But if it's a similar style of defense, maybe with Mayo, please get like a 
true free safety actually this offseason whether it's me up i mean they it's probably you probably can't invest top 100 pick in a guy like you know i know barth loves kamari kitchens i I like callum bullock from usc like you can't be investing a top 100 pick probably in in defense but you could have some resources in free agency go out a veteran like I was eyeing Xavier McKinney before this week, and then you see him make a nice, awesome interception. Get a free safety, an actual free safety, a rangy free safety, because this defense desperately misses Devin McCourty. So that's another guy they failed to replace and another need kind of, if it's the same Mayo-Belichick style of defense going forward. And you saw it. Like, Peppers has been pretty solid in that role, but – Kyle Duggar, like the Giants missed a touchdown where Duggar shades all the way to one side of the field and DeVito missed him, but he had somebody down the seam wide open. So yeah, that discipline is an experience, even though Duggar played in college, he's a box guy. So it's much needed. Uh, moving on, Mac threw on 60% of his snaps yesterday, Zappi on 42% of his. Do you think this is by design? If so, why is O'Brien asking Mac to throw it that often? I will say as a disclaimer, that's a bit you know, deceitful because he threw it. Both guys threw a ton of screens and then there was play Mm -hmm. action. They weren't asked to actually just have straight dropbacks where there's no extra element that protects the quarterback. That was pretty few and far between, but uh, Mike, I'll go, or Brian, actually, I'll go with you first. What were your thoughts? Do you do, do you think they passed too much? Should it have been like we kind of talked about a bill's game plan where it's, you know, throw literally three times. Doesn't yes. matter. Yes. Just protect the yes. football. Yes, yep. they should have ran the ball fifty <laughs> yeah. times this game. It's one of it's a bad run defense to start in New York, and they're missing Dexter Lawrence, one of probably the best defensive lineman tackle in the league this year. Like he is a menace. So you ran the ball awesome against the Colts a few weeks ago. Your offensive line is run blocking really well. Ramondre looks like Mondre Zeke has some you know burst to him like. He's you should have ran the ball 45 50 times this game and then throw screen passes from there, fine. But like, this should have been a, a run first game. I was very shocked to see them come out and kind of throwing it around a little bit with, with Mac. And uh, both guys had six screens, I, I think it was. Neither of them had they both had some shots downfield, neither of them took it. I think that just kind of speaks to the confidence level of, of this offense, but. Yeah, I, I would have done dialed up a little Buffalo 21 action and just ran the ball over and over and over again until they proved they could stop it. Yeah, I mean, I thought that that's what they were going to – I know, Taylor, you had mentioned that a few times earlier in the week last week, just like dust off that playbook and just ram it down their throat. And look, they probably had would have had a lot more success with that. They probably would have won the football game if they just ran the ball like 40-plus times. But they <laughs> didn't, and that clearly wasn't the game plan they wanted to go into it with. And so that's why Mac threw on 6 percent of it percent of his snaps um i don't know why o'brien asked him to do that like we said it shouldn't have been the game plan but it was um but i mean the discrepancy in just the numbers from mac to zappy is probably just you know you got to dumb it down a little bit because you kind of went into the game with mac and and not dumb it down i don't want to say that you know dumb it down because zappy's dumb i don't mean it like that i just mean you sort of he doesn't have the experience and with the with the scheme and the system and things like that so you kind of want to ease him into it and kind of just you know get home safe, I guess. And I think that's that's why you saw them run it so much when Zabby came in. It was just kind of, let's let's just get out of here type thing. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, 
I think Mac is just the only guy they trust to like have true drop back Correct. throws. Yep. Especially when it's not an obvious passing situation where you're just like, all right, we don't want to have to do the bare minimum in terms of giving you a screen or play action. Like we just want you to be able to read out the defense. And from that perspective, I understood a bit. I didn't love it because like I was the one championing like run the ball. You don't don't have them throw the ball. You know what you have at quarterback right now. And it's tough because you don't want to hamstring your offense. Like I asked Bill O'Brien about the balance of screens because they almost got picked on one. They, they, Zappy was just only throwing those. And it got to the point where the Giants were like, yeah, we get it. And they almost intercepted one. And I was like, hey, you know, do you maybe like how do you find that balance of throwing screens when they're working but also not being too predictable? And O'Brien was like, yeah, sometimes you can go to the well one too many times. So like that quote to me was him saying, yeah, you know, some, you can't really do the same thing every play. That Bills game, like if we're being very realistic, that was still an exception because it was crazy wind. And you got a quarterback who doesn't have a very strong arm, who's throwing into it. We've seen Brady do it in the past, but that's not really Mac Jones's forte. Uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of got it because it's tough in the NFL to just run and just throw screens. Because like also Brian O'Brien said, these are professional defenses. But – your quarterbacks aren't taking the opportunities when you give it to them. There's really not much justification for giving them those opportunities. Uh, we'll be back real quick. We're going to throw it over to our friends at SeatGeek. As a self-proclaimed Swifty, I have been dying to see Taylor Swift perform in person, but I'm going to have to do so at a reasonable price once the season's over. And to find the best deal on Taylor Swift tickets, I use today's sponsor, SeatGeek. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticket app. There's more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. I actually used SeatGeek last year to see a Clippers game with my girlfriend. And with the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons in full swing, you don't want to miss out. And SeatGeek has your tickets to every single game. Plus, artists like Travis Scott are on tour right now. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. And you know I came through for you guys. Use my code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. You just lose Taylor. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't have Taylor. I thought I thought it was my computer lagging. I guess we, I guess we can we take lost over. Him. The, yeah, he's gone. Uh, Do we have the well, questions? I was gonna say I'm gonna look in the in the back end and see if the questions are on here. Um, I mean, I can read them from our group chat, but uh, boy, what's up? Here he comes. <laughs> Please hold. I like the Patriots right now. It's dysfunctional. Yeah, we just don't know what we're doing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's uh. That's everybody was told to be ready to go, but Taylor is no, the no one was of, ready to go. Of the podcast, <laughs> there he yeah. is. Now he's muted too. Oh, good. There, you, there you go. I was just trying to have a meta commentary on the hey. state of the Patriots. That's all that was. 
That's all it was. Can, am, I, <laughs> am I audible now? Okay, I just want to make sure everybody can actually hear me. Yes, all right, we're, we're back. We're gonna, yeah, we hear you. We're going to do a couple more questions uh, and get you out of here mercifully like the Patriots and Giants did not do to us. All right, all right. This one's for you, Brian, because we said we were going to touch on it. We kind of have to now. Why did the Patriots trade their best player? Uh, I'm so sick of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I I will preface this by saying I love Nick Falk when he was here. He was probably the first two years he was here, like the team MVP, and he really like held down a kicker spot that they were kind of like rotating body. Like remember Mike Nugent was here and some of those guys, yep. and he came in and just did an awesome job and and held that fourth down. But this was a 38-year-old kicker who was fading down the stretch last year. He couldn't kick off. He was missing kicks. I don't know. A question for you guys. Last year, how many games did the Patriots miss the playoffs by? You remember? One. One, right? And there's a lot that goes on. But I remember one game late in the year. It was at home against Cincinnati, and they were – trailing by four points and they were driving late in the game to win and Ramondre Stevenson fumbled the game away at like the five yard line. Ramondre Stevenson had the ball because Nick Folk missed two extra points. That's why it was a four point game. He could if he yep. makes those, it's just a field goal and you win and maybe you're in the playoffs then, right? Maybe something else happens. But this was a guy who was fading down the stretch. He's 38 years old. To have this be like your number one complaint, because that's what it seems like when I log on Twitter. Like for this state of the team to talk about trading a 38-year-old kicker is ludicrous. And he was awesome when he was here. Shout out to him for having a career kind of resurgence down there in a warm Tennessee, playing in a lot of domes. That's whatever. But like it was the right move to bring in another guy at that time. If you want to yell at them for bringing in. Chad Ryland, who is missing kicks now, fine. If you want to yell at them for using a fourth-round pick to replace Nick Folk, fine. Like All the power to you, that is a fair argument. But to say they shouldn't have moved on from Nick Folk at that time is ridiculous. And there's so many other things to nitpick <laughs> on this team right now. <laughs> mess. 19 transactions this year. It's right. unbelievable that Nick Folk is like the focus in – what what if he's on this team? What are you three and eight, and then you just have to replace him next year? Like, oh my gosh, like such a big change. So, I agree. You know, we just it, it, please it, stop talking about this <laughs> Paul. <laughs> yeah, I I won't I won't hash it nearly as much as you just did, but I agree with everything you said, and I think that it's I mean it's a simple look. People can complain about Belichick not having you know a mind for the future and not having quarterbacks ready behind Brady. And, you know, that's myself included. And, you know, the, the weapons are poor and, you know, there's, there's a lot to complain about with Belichick not being necessarily forward thinking. He was actually forward thinking at the kicker position because again, 38 fading down the stretch, you bring in a guy who, if you scouted him correctly and you liked what you saw enough to, you know, spend a fourth round pick on him, you think he can be your kicker for the next 15 years. So they made the move. Um, and I thought it was the correct move because again, it it just it didn't make sense. And they were able to get draft com like draft capital for him, compensation for him, I guess. Like they didn't just have to cut him. They didn't have to keep two kickers on the roster and waste another spot. Um, they were able to get something for him. And I still I, to this day, I'm I'm with you, Brian. It was the right move uh, to go with the younger kicker over Nick Foles. And if you, yeah, you I, wanted to just look at it in the vacuum from this summer, from the practices 
you know, we were, I didn't go to the joint practices, but everyone at Gillette, we were obviously at, and Chad Ryland had a better field goal percentage. 100%. And yep. he obviously has more leg, and he can kick off. And go back mm-hmm. to that Bengals game, they had two kickers on the active roster because Nick Folk couldn't kick off. They had Tristan Vizcaino right. up to, to handle kickoff duty. So, I don't know. This It's not even a pro Chad Ryland take. It's just... It was the right move at the time, and I just I can't believe the outrage right now that Nick Folk still isn't on this roster. Yeah, I specifically remember uh, at the end of the summer, we were all happy at the possibility that Nick Folk could just be closer to his family in Texas. No one was like, oh, you got to keep this guy. So, yeah, it's definitely some revisionist, revisionist history going on there. Uh, you guys nailed it. We're going to get to our last question. <laughs> If this team would have had just average quarterback play this year, how many wins would they have at this point? I'm not going to lie. I was thinking about this too watching Tommy DeVito. I was like, if they could just have someone who doesn't throw egregious interceptions and just commit egregious turnovers and also make like a couple nice throws a game, like where would this team be? So, uh, Mike, I'm going to go with you first on this one. What do you think? So, funny enough, um, Ashley1992, who asked you this question on Twitter, asked me – the same exact question two weeks ago in my mailbag on wei.com. She needs so to know. I, I, she must not, I get, you gotta get must your not have liked your answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. So maybe I'm not well-equipped enough to ask the question. But uh, look, I, I I understand the, the I guess, the, the outlook here where it's like, okay, the QB play has been so bad. What if, like you said, there wasn't just six, seven, eight egregious, bad, terrible interceptions over the last 11 weeks? But at the end of the day, the offense is just not good enough. Um, even if it was average, I still don't think it's well-equipped enough from you know, weapons on the outside, people in front of you to protect you, um, to really count on that much more wins here this season. So I don't know. What are they, 2-9 and nine now? Maybe they're 4-7. and seven. But I, 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 don't see, I don't see much more coming out of it than it. it and I... I've sort of, and Amit is probably going to come in the chat at me after this, you know, defending Mac Jones. But, and it, and Bill O'Brien said it today too. Like, yes, Mac has been bad. I can admit that now. I was a Mac guy and I, I still, you know, I like Mac Jones. I think he got, you know, screwed, ruined. Yeah. I, I've used all the words in the book for it. But um, at the end of the day, it's not only his fault. There are more reasons why this offense and this team is two and nine than just Mac Jones solely. Um, so even if it was average, I still think they only get maybe a couple more wins at max. Yeah. I mean, I think you look at this week and maybe the Colts game, like those were, you held them to 10 points. I think average quarterback play could probably win that game. But outside of that, I mean, I mean, I think Mac gave you average play weeks one and two and you still lost those maybe Mm -hmm. the Raiders game. But I mean, outside of that, like, you're still going to get blown out in Dallas and New Orleans probably. So maybe you pick up an extra win or two these last two weeks, but you know, what does that do for you going forward? So I think you're still kind of at this same point uh, with, with Mac, just, you know, Mike said, he's not good. Like he hasn't played good football this week or this year, but he hasn't been helped. We talked about the receivers a lot. That's still a mess. Guys in the same spot, route running issues, the offensive line, better but still breakdowns at at key times and just all has compiled to just kind of you know the wiring's gone for a once cerebral quarterback and yeah so maybe you pick up an extra win 
the last two weeks, but I think you're still kind of looking – you're still behind the eight ball. Yeah, I, I just agree. checked back. I just checked back to, to – sorry, to, to the mailbag, and I, I did say prior to this week, maybe give them one more win. Congrats, you're three and seven. <laughs> so I, I would agree that th- quarterback play this past week against the Giants probably would have won the game too. So, yeah, two wins max. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I Oh, yeah. No, Brian, you got some? No, that was good. Oh, I, oh yeah, no, I I agree with you guys. I think if they have an average quarterback, this is a mediocre team. And I don't think you want to be mediocre this season. I think you want to be bad. Like if you're not going to compete for a playoff yeah. spot, you're not building towards something. An average quarterback wouldn't really have you building towards anything. They'd have you pretty much steadying a sinking ship. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's definitely better off that you just, like, eat this season. It sucks. You're eating a couple bad seasons at this point. But now – Silver lining, you get probably a top three pick. I don't see the Patriots winning two games uh, that would really mess with them getting one of those top three spots. So they have a lot of holes. I'm not going to pretend that quarterback is the only thing that's ailing them, but that's the whole point of this is that it's not just quarterback. There's other issues on this offense that are holding it back from being a legitimate contender. Uh, But that's going to do it for us. I do apologize. We didn't get to as many of the live chat questions as we wanted to. Do a better job of that next week. Uh, But you had so many great questions on my Twitter thread. Uh, So if next week you want to get your questions answered, I will do a better job of making sure we have some more space to get you guys in the chat. But make sure to submit those questions when I post. I usually post on Mondays on my Twitter uh, to try to get some of your feedback. But, fellas, we're at the end of the show. Please, Michael, go with you first. Brian, then you. Let the people know what fantastic work you got coming out this week and where they can find you if they don't know already. Uh. On Twitter, at Mike Cadlick, uh, you can find me on WEEI.com for all of my uh, weekly coverage of the Patriots. The three of us are off, obviously down there every week, so uh, check everything out on there. Six Rings podcast with uh, Andy Hart and uh, Fitzy as well, so check them all out. Yep, and my Twitter, I am Brian Hines, written words over at Pat's Pulpit and uh, Pat's Beat right here on CLNS with Barth twice a week, so make sure you tune into that. Absolutely. Thank you, fellas. We'll be back next week to recap whatever happens <laughs> against the Chargers. Take care of yourselves. Throwback Take week. Care of each- <laughs> oh, yeah. Look forward to that. We got throwbacks. True. Uh, at least we'll, at least visually, it should be uh, visually. I mean, we're still going to have to watch the game, so we'll see. But it'll be pretty yeah. in terms of the colors. Uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. 